0: You know, the people who love us want to want to love us. They want to show up. And, you know, I think when we push people away and say, no, we can handle it on our own, that is a disservice to ourselves because it doesn't let that love and support come into us. But it also shuts out the people that we love who want so desperately to do something to help us along.
1: Listening to the Wisdom for Well-Being podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis.
2: Hi there. Today on Wisdom for Well-Being, I am joined by Dr. Megan Davidson of Love Warrior Healing. Megan is a licensed psychologist, a certified Daring Way facilitator, and a certified yoga teacher. Additionally, Megan has been a faculty member at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln in the Counseling Psychology Program for the past 13 years. Having provided counseling, therapy, and coaching to individuals, couples, and groups for over 15 years, Megan has honed her expertise in the areas of women's health, body image, trauma relationships, vulnerability, authenticity, and self-compassion. She has trained with Brené Brown and developed expertise in trauma-informed yoga. Bridging the domains of psychology and yoga, Megan works with her clients in a holistic manner, utilizing aspects of mind, body, and spirit to assist individuals enhance their emotional, psychological, and physical health so that they may live their best life. Today, Megan shares her own journey through the dark night of the soul and how she grew into a hashtag love warrior, using love as her compass to get her through the most difficult period of her life. Megan offers a very connecting framework around the importance of saying yes to your support system during your difficult periods, as well as how yoga can be used as a tool to support both the cultivation of inner fortitude. And the cultivation of a sense of wholeness by way of integrating the various parts of yourself. Megan shows up so fully in this interview. Her capacity to honor her vulnerability allows her strength to truly shine. And I have no doubt you will be as inspired in your own love warrior journey as I was. And just a quick reminder that our launch party is happening over on social media right now at Dr. Caitlin on Insta and at Wisdom for Wellbeing pod on Facebook. You'll hear more about some of our lovely launch partners later in this episode. But without further ado, here's Megan. Hi, Megan, and thank you so much for agreeing to be on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast and having this conversation with me here today.
0: Absolutely. It's my total honor and pleasure, Caitlin, to connect with you and chat more about our common interests.
2: Yes, which I'm so excited about because it does seem like we've got such an overlap in our experience of, you know, being psychologists, as being yogis, as being women working to Mm -hmm. find a fusion and integration of different philosophies and healing modalities.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad that we found one another and connected um, online. And now that we get to at least connect through the Zoom and podcast and see each other. And so it's, yeah. um, it's, I love technology can help us in those ways.
2: It really can. And you know, for all of the listeners out there, I just thought maybe what we could do is start by you explaining what Love Warrior Healing is, because Love Warrior Healing is you know, your business. It is something that you embody in your life. And I'd, I'd just be keen for you to share with everyone what that is, and we can flow the conversation from here. Sure. Sure. It's a great
0: question. So I did um, name my holistic healing Practice love warrior healing, and that really came out of my personal life. In terms of um, about five years ago now, my life really um, got shaken up, like it was in a snow globe, and things really changed. Um, I went through a painful and difficult divorce that came out of the blue um, after sixteen and a half years of marriage, um, and that just really shook up my world and my personal life um, and my professional life in some ways. It was quite devastating time. And, um, during that time, that was when my yoga practice really started to increase to a daily practice. I had been an on again, off again yoga practitioner since my graduate school days back in the early two thousands. But when my, um, when my life changed so drastically, yoga became really my daily practice and gave me community and gave me somewhere to go every day. Um, gave me something to do with my time and certainly um, enabled me to shed a lot of tears on my mat. And so during that time of me healing myself and working with my own therapist and really um, leaning on my amazing group of women sisters, um, kindred friends, um, I really had to make a decision I felt like in terms of, was I gonna let this experience really pull me down and pull me into a negative and dark place? Um, or was, it, was I going to make a choice to move forward in a way that was healthier and more positive? Um, when I was a child, my mom left my dad and I was, when I was quite young. And so abandonment had been a key theme in my life. And so then with my husband, my now ex-husband, leaving very unexpectedly, I felt like I could go to a very dark place of having abandonment be this narrative that I just bought into. And so I really made a conscious choice to focus on love and to have love be my compass that in every moment, in every breath, in every interaction that I would just keep aiming myself towards love. And um, I started kind of hashtagging things and posts. I was very transparent online on my Instagram and Facebook about my process, not in a way to really talk so much about me, but to maybe connect with other people who are also having a hard time. I feel like social media can be such a place where we just show the highlight reel. and That's very um, true,
2: isn't it? It, it yeah. can be very superficial and we might have the sense that we're alone in our, in exactly. our suffering, in our exploration of these deeper, darker sides of, of oneself. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I want it to be very transparent
0: that I was struggling and having a hard time and that I was reaching out or that I was going to yoga to take care of myself. And I was sending out love to other people who might also be struggling for similar or very different reasons. Um, And I kind of joked, not joke, but um, started using the hashtag love campaign on um, on those posts on Facebook and on Instagram and things like that. And so that evolved over a few years. And then Um, I had a friend kind of nickname or start talking about me as a love warrior. And this ironically is before Glennon Doyle's book came out by that (laughs) title, love warrior predated. I predated Glennon. Um, and so people often ask me, did love warrior healing come out or did I name it based on Glennon's work, which I certainly admire and think she has spoken so much truth in her story. Um, but I really started to refer to myself as love warrior. I was a, as a love warrior prior to Glenn's work, and so
2: and I started thinking who about haven't that. Read that book, or aren't, right. aren't sure of the reference? I'll put a link to it in the show notes so people can then explore that book because it is a beautiful book as well. It but it's beautiful. also really amazing to hear how aligned you know this movement of love was, and, and your yes. story.
0: Yes, I mean, I think that's the whole the whole thing of like community and connection, and that we are not alone in any of our journeys. So when I was um, from there, when I was thinking of expanding my practice to full time and starting to offer more workshops and retreats and things, and coming up with like what would I call it? What would the name be? And I just very easily came up with love word healing. It felt like a very natural extension of my life for the previous few years before that.
2: That's such a beautiful story of transformation and I really appreciate you being well it sounds like you've been so transparent since the beginning but what mm-hmm. an amazing gift to give in a world where there can be these walls and barriers up to actually diving in and connecting and I think it is through you know our shared experience of pain of suffering that we can really connect to an individual that there's something really shared Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I,
0: I feel like I try to be um, and, and really aim to be as congruent and as authentic as I can possibly be. And that really came through my training in graduate school and then becoming a psychologist. And I want to be the same person in any room or in any role that I take on. So I feel like it's so important for me, like if I'm teaching class and training graduate students, or if I'm going out and working on research and working in the community on the intervention projects that I do, or if I'm in the therapy room with my client, or I'm teaching a yoga class, or I'm with my partner or my friend, then I'm still the same person that I don't you know, change, change into some morphed version of myself and talk with a different voice or anything like that, that it just who I am is the same regardless of kind of the room that I'm entering or the person that I'm interacting with, that that authenticity and congruence is an extremely high value for me.
2: And you know, you talked a lot about how, you know, love is your compass, and in a way that's that's this ultimate value that everything probably pairs back down to that as being this ultimate guidance in your life. And I I was taken by how you highlighted that, for instance, this belief or you know, viable belief of abandonment given mm-hmm. your childhood history and given this significant traumatic event that happened in adulthood with your husband of sixteen years leaving you so unexpectedly, how you really had to hold Onto that compass it sounds like very tightly to guide you mm-hmm. through a really dark period to keep you going when all of these uncomfortable thoughts and beliefs that we all probably experience, maybe mm-hmm. not the same ones, but nonetheless, we would have these uncomfortable beliefs about ourselves and our reality that you had that value and that i guess wisdom to mm. to know that you needed to follow this sense of love and find your community. Get on the yoga mat, for instance. Keep moving, keep doing, and rebuilding.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It would definitely felt like a choice point. You know that I felt like if I didn't make a conscious decision to move forward towards the light, leading with love in everything that I did. Not that that wasn't um, a difficult road many times. I imagine it I felt was like, very bumpy. Yes, yes. <laughs> that that things could get really dark and I didn't want my life to become a space of darkness. I wanted to move towards the light and I felt like I didn't want to get sucked into this vortex of this old story, this old narrative, looking at life as like, yes, don't trust people, don't love people, that um, everyone abandoned you, that you can't trust. I, I just didn't want to buy into that story. And so deliberately would just focus on how to not fall into that negative hole day by day. And certainly there were times, you know, it wasn't all unicorns and rainbows. Of course, there were times that were very dark and very hard. Um, and I, I utilized as much resources as I could, whether that was, you know, weekly sessions with my own therapist, going to yoga every single day, calling a girlfriend, um, If I was having a hard time. And then really letting my support system help me, you know, that there's a way that I think we have to say yes to people when they step forward to be in our corner and to offer help. I think a lot of us can push that away and feel like we're being a burden or we're being too much. And so when I had girlfriends offer, you know, one girlfriend said, who lived in Boston at the time, snowing it was terrible weather and she was like do you want me to come this was like in the first week that it happened and i said yes and she yeah. came and i had another friend who lived in california who was like i can come visit you or it would cost me the same to buy your ticket and have you come out to visit me in california and i said yes to that and so i think that's also a real practice i think especially as women we get socialized to be selfless and to not lean on people and all of that and so just to also encourage listeners that let your support system support you. Let them help you.
2: That's really, them show really up. good yeah. advice. Because you're right. I think we are, as you said, socialized. And I, I guess when we are suffering, it's probably harder to you know, I guess show up as this vision that we have for ourselves or what society Mm -hmm. tells us we should be. And I guess the way we perhaps historically have managed that is to recluse and to hide away until we can save face or show up with one of these specific masks on of how we are, and I'm doing air quotes, supposed to be in a situation. So Mm -hmm. it's really brave to be able to connect in, to say yes to the people who want to support you. But I imagine to show up in all the chaos and the suffering and the wrong, that you were experiencing in that moment, that's incredibly brave to allow yourself to be you in those, in those really tough moments. Mm-hmm.
0: I guess so. In looking back, I think at the time I maybe didn't see it that way or feel it as brave or courageous. I just knew that I needed lifelines. And I knew that, you know, that my My dearest girlfriends would be that for me. I knew my therapist would be that for me. I knew my yoga mat would be that for me. And so, um, as messy it as all was, I felt like I was a snotty, tearful mess (laughs) for months. But that's just what it was. And um, you know, the people who love us want to want to love us. They want to show up. And you know, I think when we push people away and say no, we can handle it on our own that is a disservice to ourselves because it doesn't let that love and support come into us, but it also shuts out the people that we love who want so desperately to do something to help us along. You know, think about when you, you have a dear friend who's struggling, whether it's with an illness, a loss, whatever it might be, you know, you want to do something. And so um, it's hard when someone says, no, no, don't bring over food or no, no, I'm fine. It, it, it shuts that person out too. And so I feel like, there's a communal type of healing when we let our friends or our support systems come in. That it doesn't have to be the selfish thing that maybe people might have a mindset that it is.
2: That's really beautiful. And I really like the languaging around lifelines, you know, mm-hmm. that these these can be our lifelines, that we are social creatures by our nature and that our healing really takes place in, in consort with, with other connections, with other relationships. And maybe with the therapist, the relationship, the bond there with close friends and, and with yourself, which is, I suppose, where that regular yoga practice came in as well as the community that, Mm -hmm. that surrounded you in that, you know, studio or wherever you might've been practicing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes I would think about my yoga practices. Okay, I'm building strength from the outside in. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that maybe
2: wonderful metaphor.
0: You know, maybe that internally I didn't feel very strong, but felt like as I was in my daily yoga practice and felt like, oh my, I can do chaturanga is pretty easy now, or some other things that I was like, okay, I will develop this internal strength, this internal fortitude by the practice of yoga by strengthening my outside external muscles, strengthening my concentration, my focus, my breathing, and that will help me to strengthen my heart, my spirit, my soul.
2: That, that resonates so deeply. That's a phenomenal mm-hmm. way of describing it. I'm curious because you know yoga is this form of mindful movement. I'm curious as to whether you are practicing a seated meditation practice or whether there was any other practices you were engaged in at the time, just because it's also been my experience. Sometimes when there's a lot going on, mm-hmm. sitting with all of that can be harder than moving with them.
0: Absolutely. So, during that time, especially in 2015, during the the kind of peak year of all that, mm-hmm. um, my practice was very much asana based. It was very much moving, moving, moving. I had been um, a regular journaler in the morning for years. I would get up each morning and do my morning pages, you know, from Artist Way, um, Julia Cameron, and I would and put a, a link to that in the show yeah. notes for listeners <laughs> as well. A, yeah. yeah. I'd been a very dedicated journaler and when um, my husband left and that all was happening, I, I stepped away from my journaling practice. That felt too much. It felt too heavy, similar to meditation. It felt like I was already feeling so overwhelmed with anxiety and incredible stress and despair that sitting or writing in my journal practice felt too overwhelming and felt, it felt way too hard. And so I really, especially in 2015, throughout that first year, really leaned on the asana practice in terms of the, you know, the eight limbs of yoga, that, that moving um, kind of traditional classes on the mat um, was really my, my steadfast way of practice that my meditation, my journaling, my pranayama, my breath work, everything else took a back seat. I just couldn't, that just felt too hard to kind of be with myself in that way. I've come back to those things now um, over the years, but certainly in the, in the critical time and the most um, kind of despairing and dark time, I really had to keep moving. I had to have a moving meditation. I had to um, focus my mind on listening to the teacher. I wasn't even practicing my home practice. I was really only going to classes um, because I really felt like I needed community. I needed to get out of my house. I needed somewhere to go. Um, And so I wasn't even having my personal asana practice at home. I really was going to the studio.
2: It sounds like you recognized what you needed in those moments and you Mm -hmm. went for it. I think it's, you know, Listeners might hear, oh, yoga in such a dark time, like what a positive strategy for coping, but it is also a really deliberate one in the sense that there are other, you know, avenues that might have been useful at different points in your life, be it, you know, breathing, seated meditation, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. journaling, but you recognized in those moments that wasn't as accessible and that could be in its own way perhaps re-traumatizing or or very difficult without that support, without that external, you know, or movement focus. Mm -hmm. So it's brave in some senses where people might be thinking, oh, like you could have have drunk, you could have done all these other coping mechanisms. It's helpful Mm -hmm. and it's brave, but it's also honest and recognizing where you were at.
0: Yeah. And I definitely want to also acknowledge for other listeners that just because that was my path forward, that that might not be true for everyone else, that some people might have a really hard time leaving the house in a state of crisis, whatever that the content of the crisis or dark period might be. That it could be that leaving the house and going to a community practice at a studio, that could feel like the overwhelming thing. And what feels good is to stay home and to practice some breathing and practice seated meditation. And so I want to be really clear that I in no way feel like I did it, quote unquote, the right way. I did it what, was, what felt like it was truthful and honored what I needed at the time. And so I really want to give people full permission and um encouragement to explore their own healing journey in whatever way works for them
2: and that that may change over time i like that and the lack of rigidity in that, that it may mm-hmm. change over time, that what works for us in one moment is not something we're bound to for the forever, yeah. and that can be reevaluated. And also, you know, mentioning the staying home and, you know, we talked about lifelines and reaching out to different supports. Often when people are struggling, it is really difficult to engage in activity, to reach out, to connect with people. And, you know, I was wondering if maybe we could shift into a little bit of talk about your therapy practice and how you offer this holistic approach to psychology because i know in my private practice in my therapeutic work connecting and doing activities when someone is in a state of distress is really challenging so i'm interested mm-hmm. in the tools that you bring in to support healing yeah
0: so a great question
2: just a reminder that our launch party is happening at dr caitlin on insta and at wisdom for Wellbeing pod on facebook Thursday to Sunday, you could go into the running for one of three body packages. Each is comprised of one mix and match lipstick pack from Catherine B, -B C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-B.com.au, creates luscious products made with organic and wild crafted ingredients, therapeutic grade essential oils, all comprised for deliciousness on your skin. A pair of natural rubber flip slide sandals in the winner's chosen size and color, flipslide.com.au, Rebecca has built this company to offer sustainable, slow fashion sandals. Each winner will receive a handmade purse from the lovely Jess at Designs by Dukes. It's Designs, D-E-S. I-G-N-S-B-Y-D-U-K-E-S dot net. puts her creativity into each item she creates. She personally crafts jewelry, bags, and lovely plant hangers. Finally, the winner will receive a vegan nail polish created by the inspired mama Tiffany at Nailed at Tiffany's. N-A-I-L-D-A-T-T-I-F-F-A-N-Y-S dot com dot A-U. Tiffany's polishes are free of toxins and capped with sustainable cypress wood. They also plant a tree for each and every polish sold. Please head to drkaitlyn.com forward slash launch TCS to read the full launch terms and conditions. Thank you so much for celebrating launch week with us and good luck if you are participating in our giveaway. really challenging. So I'm interested mm-hmm. in the tools that you bring in to support healing. Yeah. It's a great question. Um, so I, for a long
0: time, I've, I felt like my therapy practice, seeing clients in the traditional psychological sense and my yoga life were two separate things. Um, I've been practicing, um, working with clients and in my private practice now for about 15 years and my yoga life, like I said, was separate. And then in 2015, when this my personal life took a hit, um, that's when I started to really see in my own healing how much yoga was facilitative of, of types of um, ways of moving forward. That working with my traditional therapist, my own talk therapist, it, you know, that it was very complementary. And so I think from my own personal life could really start to see the impact of both having a yoga practice and working with a therapist could be really helpful in conjunction with one another. And so now in my practice, there are some clients that are more interested in the kind of quote unquote, the traditional psychotherapy talk route and really aren't interested in yoga. Um, My space though is very facilitative of yoga because I have two rooms. One is an open yoga space. Um, and workshop space that has mats and bolsters and blankets and all that kind of stuff. And then the other room that's adjoined is my therapy office that has the furniture and things. And so even if people aren't seeking like um, the yoga side, they are still are immersed in it in the environment because that's just the space that I have my um, where love, worry, healing is. And so for other people, it might look like incorporating breath work into our work. So maybe in the beginning of a session, helping them regulate their breathing, coming into an even count breath to kind of even out the mind, to settle in, to let go of whatever's happened in the day before they came to session and for them to really land into our session with one another. Um, We might check in and use breath work at other times during the session as well. Um, Another piece that I use is checking in somatically with them. So for some clients, it can be really hard to articulate or use words to identify how they're feeling or they just know they're feeling bad, especially like when you, Caitlin, in the beginning of this question, like with the people who are just really struggling to leave the house or really in a um, deep place of despair and not having a lot of motivation to do very much. Sometimes they can't even process or talk, you know, with words about what they're feeling. They just know they feel bad. And so using some, Um, body sensations, where they might be feeling tension or pain or heat or other types of bodily cues and trying to bring them to that in the body first. And then maybe having them describe that and talk that through can help give them a space to enter into maybe a more psychological framework to connect that body and mind connection.
2: That sounds really so interesting and that's mm-hmm. I wonder if any of the listeners would be hearing this and just kind of wondering what that's like if they haven't necessarily had that experience mm-hmm. of checking in with their bodies mm-hmm. is there any chance you might be able to just talk us through something now or perhaps we could record something after and put it in the show notes i don't know if either of those Sure are...
0: either either is fine
2: yeah well why don't we do it as a little separate audio that we could put in the show notes so listeners can go and have a practice of connecting in somatically feeling their bodies and mm-hmm. using that as a tool that they might take away and practice regularly. Right now, they might be driving, so it might not be right. appropriate. Be. <laughs> yeah, maybe closing their eyes is not a good time right so now. So listeners absolutely. who might be on the road, keep your eyes open and we'll, um, <laughs> we'll link to this in the show notes so that you yeah. can take away a little meditation um, yeah. as well. Yeah, but no matter where you
0: are, you can take three to 10 slow, deep breaths so even if you're driving, you can keep your eyes open. You, know, you can bring, your, bring the air, bring the breath in through your nose, you know, down through the back of your throat, down past your lungs, all the way down to your belly, feeling your belly inflate, and then slowly exhaling, having that breath come out the way it came in. Um, You can do that whenever and wherever you are. Um, I often talk with clients about, especially if they have stressful people that they interact with or triggering environments that no one has to know that they're doing some breath work, but that they can always take some deep breaths in any situation that that might feel troubling or distressing to them and nobody has to know.
2: That's a fantastic reminder because the breath is always going to be with us, you know, and we mm-hmm. might start to feel overwhelmed. That's something that's there, whether we are tapping into it or not. And often when we do tap into it, we can use it to support us in that moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another way,
2: um, this is kind of shifting to like workshop types of
0: things when you're asking about what does it look like to be a holistic practitioner? Mm-hmm. So I do offer a number of workshops based on more psychological components. So um, I've studied and done a lot of work with self-compassion. Um, I'm a certified Brene Brown facilitator um, and, and other different types of workshops. So in those, I'm working with groups and I, I consider it and um, make it be holistic in the sense that I'm providing didactic information about those psychological topics having people do activities and exercises that are psychological in nature but infused throughout those workshops i always start with a grounding breathing opening to kind of settle into the space we often do intention setting um, we often talk about maybe fears or hopes for the workshop um we do some uh, some slow and um, some movement with the body. So not like a traditional yoga class per se, but making, um, using some yoga and some poses and postures with the body that you can just do seated that at any level that can be accessible to anybody. So kind of opening the neck and opening the shoulders, um, having a little movement gets infused in all of my workshops. So Always kind of combining whatever the psychological content is with grounding throughout the workshop experience, with breath work throughout the workshop experience, um, time for journaling and reflection, um, and some light movement is infused in all of them.
2: It sounds like a really powerful combination and you know we're getting started this interview is going to air in 2020 and you Mm -hmm. mentioned the intention setting which is something Mm -hmm. that you know it it aligns with this concept our our society talks about new year's resolutions like every year it's going to be the year (laughs) and I guess now we're starting the decade so what what do you see as intention setting and how does that work what's that practice Mm -hmm. like?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So yes, we're still in 2019 as we're recording and I do have an intention setting um, workshop this coming Sunday. So it'll be the 29th here Um, and we'll be doing some reflecting back on 2019. And so guiding, guiding participants through, you know, what are some of the things that did not go well? What are some of the, the hardships, the difficult spaces, the dark spots maybe of 2019, getting clear about what, what are those about? What's the context of those, you know, is it um, who may have been involved or was it a work situation or an environment and, you know, getting kind of retapping into those and then also looking at what were the highlights, like what was, what were the highlight reel what were the good things um, of two thousand and nineteen and and also looking at you know maybe what were some of the things that were difficult, but maybe how are already starting to turn into those things that you grew from and learned from mm. that maybe put you on a different path? you know I think about that with my divorce that as difficult as it was, and I would never. Wish that upon anybody, it has expanded and opened my life in ways that I don't think would have been possible had I not gotten divorced. I don't know that my yoga practice would have become so important to me. I don't know that I would be combining my work with yoga and psychology in the same way. I wouldn't have had trainings that I've gone to. you know, so so many things have opened up and expanded in my life from a very difficult and dark time. Um, so I use that as an example, just to say. Maybe someone in the workshops you know, or someone in the intention setting for the new year can look at 2019 in a way of like, what maybe broke you open that was difficult, but maybe is opening a door. And that certainly isn't to pretty it up. As I say, it's not to kind of gloss over a difficult time or to negate those feelings or to silver lining it right away, but just to be open to the possibility that, um, and to remember, I guess, that growth only comes... From stress. You know, like think about plants when there are seeds in the ground, that it takes stress and pressure for them to break through the soil and to start growing and moving towards the light. And I think about that for ourselves as well that, that growth doesn't normally happen when things are all shiny and good.
2: Uh-huh. that 's a really, really beautiful point, and I think you know listeners who might be hearing this might be starting to reflect on their past year and go oh what was what was challenging? What am I looking for in this new year? The mm-hmm. analogy of the seed and the fact that the trials, the tribulations, the really tough stuff can offer us an opportunity to grow and I think the fact that you highlight that we 're not doing it to silver line things or to gloss mm-hmm. over the pain that 's experienced in those moments, but that this pain can exist you know, in, in consort with the growth.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I read on some meme, you know, the Instagram has all these terrific quotes and memes these days. And one of them was like, you know, don't let your pain go wasted. You That's know, the, beautiful. And I think, you know, at the right time, <laughs> certainly <laughs> we need to feel our pain. And I am definitely a proponent of there's no way to skip over and to gloss over that the only way out is through. But yeah. I believe that Working through that pain, feeling that pain, and going through that, moving towards the light, is the way that we heal and is the way that we process. Um, So back to your question, that's some of like the looking back in the intent. Oh, sorry, Caitlin. No,
2: I was going to say that that's a really beautiful segue because I was going to ask about you know you've shared your own story about how yoga has been very healing for you, and I was interested into where there might be that overlap with psychology in terms of different philosophies or viewpoints or how how this practice can really offer another layer to to the work that we do as therapists and Mm -hmm. you know you were in a very unique position in some ways being a therapist seeing your own therapist and going to a yoga practice some individual's might have these two worlds existing in different realms, if that makes sense. Like they might be mm-hmm. practicing yoga, maybe, maybe not. They might be seeing a therapist, maybe, maybe not. But is there a bit of an overlap or an opportunity to to connect? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I definitely think there are many ways. Whether you're going from the psychology side to the yoga side or the yoga side to the psychology side, I often think of them as um, the same, the same overall. Um, purpose, but with two different words, you know, that we call one thing yoga and we call one thing psychology, but really we're all talking about the same thing. And so I think about psychology and going to therapy and moving in that direction of seeing a counselor or therapist as really becoming whole you know, kind of looking at yourself and we have all these different parts of ourselves. And I don't mean that in a multiple personality disorder kind of way, but in a way of like, you know, we have the part that is, you know, highly functioning, that goes out in the world, that takes care of business, that, you know, is responsible, takes care of tasks, you know, maybe raises children, has a job, you know, has a partner, has relationships and manages all these things. But then there are other parts of us that feel quite small still, that maybe feel like a child that feel like an imposter, like, oh my gosh, if people really knew the real me, they'd have this whole other look. Um, we might have parts of us that can feel confident in one space and feel incredibly anxious in another. And so I think about working with a counselor, or working with a therapist, it is really about becoming more whole, You know, whether it's bringing all those pieces of ourselves and loving all of them for exactly who they are and what they give us, Um, maybe becoming more whole with the relationships in our lives with the direction we want to take with our career or um, any of the goals that we set. And then when you think about yoga, you know, the word yoga means to unite, it means union. And so that's where I think so much that psychology and yoga is the same thing. And so You know, with psychology, maybe uniting and bringing union to these parts of ourselves or bringing union to our feelings, bringing union to accepting maybe childhoods that weren't so great or situations that are hard and bringing some compassion and acceptance to that. Um, Uniting those forces within us is very much the practice of yoga. Like how do we unite breath with movement? How do we unite our minds with our spirit? how do we bring mind, body, soul together? You know, that is all union and uniting to yoke. You know, that's the meaning of yoga. And so I, I think they're so intertwined and, and so much the same thing. Um,
2: and even the hard, language you used mm-hmm. when you said, you know, acceptance and compassion being a part of yoga, those, those are words that we use in therapy. They They align with different therapeutic models, like... I guess, as you're saying, they are the same thing, just different vernaculars, different languaging in Mm -hmm. part.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about, you know, like thinking of um, acceptance and commitment therapy is a popular framework these days in psychology. And so much of that, you know, is accepting you know, what's happening in our life right now? We can't make change in our life if we can't accept what is in the present moment. Um, we can't make change if we don't make some commitments to that change. And you think about yoga okay, so I can't do the arm balance, or I can't do this pose that feels hard today, even though I could do it yesterday. You know, there's so much acceptance on the mat or acceptance and meditation of like, wow, my mind is just racing today. My monkey mind is out of control and just accepting that that's what that is. And then making that commitment to kind of come back to the breath, to come back to the present moment. You know, to me, there's, there's so much the same, the same tools. Um, and even so much of the same language, you know, I think about also self-compassion. How do we have compassion for our struggles? Um, and for, um, the ways that we maybe make coping choices that always aren't the best decision in the moment, um, long-term, but was the best decision that we could make at the time and having compassion that we took care of ourselves in the way that we could. So whether we are emotional eaters or maybe we do a bit more online shopping or we have a few more drinks, you know, that was coping at some time. And when we learn better coping skills, then we can engage those coping skills. We can have some compassion towards Our younger, earlier, more fragile self for some choices that we made that gave us some types of coping.
2: That's really rich in having that framework that you're describing as, as another layer if we are doing perhaps a physical practice of yoga where the yoga might be this opportunity to experience present moment awareness to be able mm-hmm. to have this you know sense of being in the zone um, or in flow as, as it's sometimes called
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then that framework around acceptance around self compassion there's a real richness to that because I I suppose, in talk therapy, some sometimes in some cases, it's a lot of talk without the practice. Mm-hmm. And perhaps in a yoga practice, it might not necessarily offer that framework or that conceptualization that can be healing and offer a vantage point to then take what we're learning off of the mat and into our days. So this fusion you're describing is really rich, really mm-hmm. empowering.
0: Mm, Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I often will say that if I'm teaching a yoga class, like I'm having them hold plank for a minute or something like that. You know, I will even say to them, like, we can do hard things. Like, we're holding this plank so that when you're off the mat, you can do something hard later today, or you can do something hard next week. You know, that the practice of yoga... It increases our capacity to do things that are difficult, increases the ways that we can grow. And the most, and the only reason why we're on the mat is to take it off the mat anyway.
2: Yes, it's all about life, isn't it? You know, there's a reason <laughs> yeah. for the practice, and what you mentioned about the plank. Which, if any listeners are not sure what that is, it's it's a very dynamic posture <laughs> that requires a lot of core strength and arm strength. Mm-hmm. And as you said, that you're learning to be able to do something hard because you talked earlier about in in therapy, a lot of the work we sometimes do is around getting people to feel what's going on in their bodies to connect mm-hmm. somatically because we often do experience our society as somewhere where we exist in our head. You know, I always think we wear these uncomfortable shoes sometimes, you know, particularly right. as when we carry these uncomfortable bags, the things we are doing are not necessarily supportive of us really feeling in and connecting in. But if you experience these strong sensations on the mat and you learn how to breathe and you have someone perhaps highlighting why that's important and allowing that connection to be formed when you experience strong sensation off the mat which is very likely to be an emotion you know energy in motion this physical embodiment of what is going on for you then you might be able to apply the same breathing the same tools and techniques that got you through that plank pose Mm -hmm.
0: absolutely yeah i think about that so much that you know the real work is off the mat if you 're talking about yoga and and exactly what you 're saying it 's like knowing that in a yoga class, however long it might be, however long you 're holding a pose or working on something, the reminder in my mind always is like this isn 't going to last forever you know at some point i 'm going to put my knees down and stop holding this plank pose, this upward push up you know, and to remember that emotions are that way too that I tell, you know, I reminded myself that a lot when I've gone through hard times and continue to go through hard times and, you know, try to remind my clients is like, you won't always feel this way. Your brain might think that you will always feel this way, but everything changes, everything passes, everything has a season and that there's a way, there's a way through and you won't always feel this way.
2: Yeah, that's the transients, the reminder of the transients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder if maybe this would be a nice time just to start to wrap things up in regards to this particular conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we've talked that we'll talk further about the work you're doing with The Daring Way, but in regards to concluding today, would you maybe just give... The listeners, a few takeaway points, a few actions that they might be able to do to perhaps set their intentions and Mm -hmm. move in a direction that is in alignment with their heart and their values going (laughs) forwards.
0: Yeah, I love that invitation, Caitlin.
2: Um,
0: I want to remind people, I said this a little earlier, that no matter where you are, no matter who you're with, that if you're feeling any type of distress or overwhelm or anxiety, that The breath is always with you. You always have your breath. And that at any given moment you can make a choice to take three to ten long, slow, deep inhales and deep exhales. I think those are so powerful. I used to have a timer on my watch that would go off at the top of the hour. So it would just make three little beeps and that would just be my cue, no matter where I was. I could be in session with a client, I could be driving, I could be in a meeting, and I just turn the timer off and I would just take three to ten long, slow, deep breaths. And so nobody knew I ha- was doing that, but it just was a little way for me to kind of check back in with myself and to regulate my emotions or regulate what, what, what the, with whatever was happening with me at that time. So that's one takeaway and one reminder I would love to leave. I think that's with. really
2: beautiful because the breath is something that when we focus on it, we we can control it. You know, it rests on that border of the conscious and the unconscious and. Without diving into another track too much, all of the research supports that if we change our breath, it actually changes what's happening in our body physiologically. So, helping us move from what might be a state of stress, or depending on the situation we might be in, when that little timer goes off, or if we're using it consciously, when we notice we're in a situation that's overwhelming, it can help regulate us and bring us back down to a level where we can then choose our next move rather than moving into an unconscious action that may or may not be supportive of our intentions and our values.
0: Absolutely. It helps us bring the parasympathetic nervous system online. And I think it helps us respond rather than react. Um, So that's one that I would, yeah. One that I would definitely want to leave listeners with Two, I want to encourage you and the listeners that if you're struggling or having a hard day the best thing that you can do is to reach out that i've learned that work from um, training with Brene brown which i know is another conversation but that we often isolate when we're struggling and that our our fears take over the stories in our mind take over when we isolate and we don't reach out and the biggest thing that we can do that is research supported is to reach out when we're really struggling and to find even just one person that you can connect with and talk to. It helps pull us into what Kristen Neff talks about as common humanity. It helps us feel less alone and it helps us reach out for those lifelines and that you just need one person in your life. You don't need a big gaggle of friends and you don't need a huge community, but if you can reach out to just one person when you're having a hard time, I promise that it will benefit you and help you feel less alone and help you get through that hard moment that you don't have to do it alone. Um, And I guess one other thing that I would say is if you aren't a yoga practitioner, if you're scared of trying yoga to uh, maybe give yourself a little, Goal or a little uh, push to try a class. Maybe ask a friend to go with you, but to maybe look online. There's lovely studios around the world and maybe find some place that feels safe and welcoming. And maybe take a friend, like I said, and and try a yoga class and just see what it might feel like if you've never tried yoga. Um, There's all different styles and ways. It doesn't have to be like a power yoga class, it doesn't have to be hot yoga, it can be a gentle. You know, beginning basic class, but really the intention is just, can you connect with your breath and your body just for a little bit of time and see how that feels for you, see how it feels, not just in your physical body, but in your emotional body, in your psychological body, how does it fill your heart or feel in your gut, just to try it out and see.
2: That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. And I, I like that you highlight too, that there's so many different styles out there. There's going to be different teachers. We're all different. Mm-hmm. So if something doesn't necessarily resonate, if you can try something else and going with a support person or a friend to have that sense of security, if it is a more challenging time and if it is feeling overwhelming, you know, I I can completely empathize. The first time walking somewhere new is always, you know, for most of us going to be a scary Mm -hmm. experience. But hopefully, then, as you highlighted, when you check in, you might notice that there might be a shift or something else has Mm -hmm. happened there. So just to summarize, Megan, the beautiful points that you offered for the listeners are that they can use their breath, that they can take 10 deep, slow breaths, wherever they are, whenever they need, as well as using it as a regular practice of perhaps setting a timer so that we do know that our breath is there as a way of checking in connecting in so we can respond rather than react to reach out that connecting with one person it doesn't need to be gaggles as you said of friends but with one person can help support us through difficult times challenging times and connect us in with common humanity this Mm -hmm. sense this experience that we are not alone and then finally to explore yoga and to perhaps take a friend, a support person, to go to a studio where it might be a beginner's class or a restorative class, a place where we can tip our toes in the water and see what might be offered through this mindful movement practice.
0: Yes. You said that far more beautifully than I did, Caitlin. So thank you for summarizing that. Um, They
2: were wonderful (laughs) gifts and wonderful (laughs) offerings to the listeners. So I will put all of the links to connect in with you, Megan, in the show notes so you can be found on instagram and facebook both at love warrior healing as well as your personal um, accounts which is at megan davidson and you share all of your wisdom experiences and beautiful beautiful quotes affirmations tips for Mm. living a love warrior filled life yes thank you Um, and we'll have a link to your website as well which is going to be um up and in action in january 2020 so people will be able to check you out there and connect in with the beautiful group work that you do the healing circles as well as perhaps connecting in with you for you know individual coaching therapy guidance
0: yes thank you so much caitlin i appreciate that so much
2: interview with Megan as meaningful and soulful as I did. Our conversation really had me reflect on how I reach out to my community and that practice of saying yes, but yes in the sense of saying no to this mentality that we have to do it all ourselves. I also really appreciate her shining light on how there is a continual evolution of the tools and practices that we might use to support our healing and growth, which makes sense as we are of course growing ourselves in regards to accessing that meditation that we talked about, sign up for the Wisdom for Wellbeing mailing list at drkatelyn.com. You'll be the first to know when it's released, and then, of course, you'll find it in the show notes later. As we continue in on this special launch week, tomorrow we will release another Wisdom for Wellbeing episode. Subscribe now, and you will hear from Tiffany Souza Machado, Founder of the Village Foundation, she shares all about mental health, parenthood, and how we can create community, a village, using tools of this modern world, like the Village app that she's developed. Think Tinder, but for parents, and with all the layers of depth to it that it sometimes feels like our physical community might be missing out on. Bye for now.
1: Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drkaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for well being is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.